0: Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Father, we enter your courts, we enter your presence today with joy and thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be still in this time and just to know that you are God, our Redeemer, our Comforter, our eternal Father and our Lord. And so Lord, as we still our hearts and our minds to focus on you, we pray that your word would be not would 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 come with power. In great conviction in the Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. For our tenth wedding anniversary, my wife and I went to Rome. And while we were there, we found out that the Pope, Pope John Paul II, was having a special blessing service. We thought it'd be a cool event to attend, so we toddled down to the Vatican office to get tickets. We found out very quickly, in no certain terms, that (laughs) uh, no one can just get tickets to go and be in the same room with the Pope. You have to go through series and weeks of background checks. But we thought hey, that's no big deal. It's just the Pope, it's not like it's Billy Graham or Beth Moore. But we decided to go ahead and walk by where the people were entering because we heard that there were Swiss guards there. And we wanted to see them in their Alice in Wonderland apparel. And so as we go down and we see them, uh, all of a sudden there's a a party of American tourists. And they're about to go into the service. And one of the ladies, uh, she sees us, and we're obviously American. And so she just assumed that we were there with their group. And so she cried out in a great, charming Southern accent. Hey, y'all, our guide has already given the guard the tickets. Y'all, come on, it's time to go in. Now, I know there's probably a special place in Dante's Inferno for pastors who lie to sneak in to see the Pope. But all of a sudden, a bunch of Roman mottos came to my mind. When in Rome, Vici. <laughs> what happens in the Vatican? Oh, wait, that's a different one. But I knew I had to act quick because my sweet, godly wife is a rule follower. And I just knew in any moment she was going to tell the truth and ruin this once in a lifetime opportunity for me. And so I quickly blurted, okay, okay, yeah, 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 we're coming. And I tossed Sadie, my wife, this do not say a word glare. I I grabbed her by the arm and pulled her in and tried to act as chill as possible uh, for someone breaking a Ten Commandments um, at the Vatican, no less. We got into the room, and we broke off from our fellow Americans, and we decided to sit in the back, um, you know, in case we got found out and had to make a quick getaway. Well, uh, before too long, with much pomp and elaborate circumstance, these cardinals began to march out to prepare the way for the Pope, and they begin to announce that the Pope is coming. Everyone was on tender hooks. They were so excited, and then finally they ushered in the Pope and the crowds just erupted in jubilee. I was uh, just enamored by what was going on as uh, the Pope began to bless each group and pray over each group in their own language. I was spellbound by all of the activities when all of a sudden Sadie began to break the spell by whispering to me in the middle of this, are you talking about Colin Farrell <laughs> I was frustrated to be distracted by this whole holy revelry but I glanced back and sure enough sitting right behind us was the Hollywood movie actor Colin Farrell with a beautiful elite entourage and some very menacing bodyguards About this time, Colin stood up and his bodyguards uh, went before him and began to push past the hoi polloi, um, pushing people aside, making a straight path for Colin Farrell. Um, Colin Farrell, by the way, was uh, in town because he and Angelina Jolie were filming uh, the Oliver Stone uh, blockbuster hit, Alexander the Great. Um, and so they're going and so uh, he gets there and all of a sudden he gets in front of the Pope and we got to see and experience something quite ironic. Alexander the Great this, and the movie star Colin Farrell stood before the Pope and received a special blessing from the vicar of Christ. As I watched that and saw the bodyguards and hired muscle bully a path out for Colin Farrell and remembered how the cardinals had come to announce uh, the coming of the Pope, it reminded me of a passage in Isaiah chapter 40, which happens to be our passage for today. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, uh, get them and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. As you're trying to find that um, and scrolling to find it, let me give you a little bit of background. So Isaiah chapter 40 is the second part of the, the, of the book of Isaiah. And uh, he is picking up a thread that uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Norton preached out of Isaiah chapter 9 that there was going to be this child that's going to be born of a young woman. And uh, this child was going to grow up. And they were going to give this king the name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And this Prince of Peace was going to be like, unlike any other king that you've ever seen. He was going to come and establish a kingdom of justice and righteousness. He was going to bring a kingdom of light that would dispel the darkness. He was going to come to bring hope to the hopeless and joy to the nations. And when we get to Isaiah chapter 40, he continues that idea and says, yes, yes, yes. Right, right, right. This king is coming. But before this king comes, there's going to be one that's going to go before him to prepare the way, to bully out a path, to announce the coming of this king. And that's what we see in Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, Let's look at verses three through five as he picks this up, talking about this guy from Isaiah chapter nine. Look at what he says. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the path in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And guess what? Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. It's interesting that when we uh, get to this passage, Isaiah, the prophet, is picking up on a custom of the day. Before a king would come to town, there would be much anticipation. And the king would send a hype man, if you will, to pump the people up, to get the people ready for this dignitary, this, uh, this highness that was coming in. And they, would get, and they would make sure that all the potholes were filled. They would straighten out the paths. They would basically roll out their version of the red carpet. Some of you who are parents probably have seen this in movies before. Maybe you've seen it in Disney's Aladdin. Do you remember when Jeannie goes to prepare the way for the boy to meet Princess Jasmine? And he goes before him into the crowds, pumping the people up. Make straight. Get ready. There's a new star coming. He's going to be a guy that you can't forget. He's a great star. And then he busts out, Prince Ali! Fabulous, he, Ali Ababa, Genie, flex, show some respect down on one knee. Well, you get the point, right? That's what Genie is doing. He's preparing the way for Aladdin to come in. This is that same type of custom, this ancient Near Eastern custom that Isaiah is drawing upon. But what's interesting is rather than this spirit with phenomenal cosmic powers and needy be living space, Isaiah does not tell us who the voice is. It's a voice in the wilderness. It's just a voice calling out. The prophet leaves us hanging. He leaves the voice anonymous. And rather than focusing on who that voice is, instead he focuses on the message. And the message is, get ready. Get ready. The king is coming. Prepare the way. Bring uh, Bring the valleys up. Bring the mountains down make straight the path because this king is coming the king we talked about in Isaiah 9 he's coming to bring forth his kingdom and guess what happens when he gets there his glory is going to be revealed a glory that all the people that all the flesh is, all flesh of the earth is going to see and understand and know isaiah is going to spend the next part of his book unpacking explaining and fleshing out what this glory is And as we'll see throughout the chapters that this glory is of a conquering king who's bringing a kingdom of comfort and consolation. He's bringing a rule, a dominion of truth and light. And he is going to establish an everlasting kingdom that knows no end, where he will instill a new heaven and new earth that we can be with the Lord forever. And Isaiah says, get excited. Because this king is coming. The voice has already gone to head, and he's preparing us for this. Now, of these three types of glory that Isaiah is going to begin to unpack, let's focus on the first one today for the sake of time. He comes to establish a kingdom of comfort and consolation. If you actually look back in chapter 40, verse 1, uh, how Isaiah the prophet sets up this voice. And not only is he setting up this voice, but it's, it's, it serves as a foil. It serves as a great contrast than what we've seen from chapters 1 through 39. If you remember from last week, Norton preached on how chapters 1 through 39 is replete with judgment, judgment, darkness, darkness, a can of whoop wrath that's going to happen. But then we get to Isaiah chapter 40, and we see that God changes his tune And he's coming to establish a new covenant. And look at verse 1 on how he sets up this voice of one who is calling. How he doesn't just set up the voice that's calling, but sets up really the second half and the tone of the the, the second half of the book. It says, Comfort, comfort my people. Nakimu, nakimu, yami. This word for comfort, nakim, is a big word for Isaiah. Isaiah. And it recurs all throughout the chapters uh, of the second half of this book. He begins to um, explain to us what this comfort actually looks like. It's a, comfort of compa- it's a type of compassion, of freedom, of release, and of rest. For example, in Isaiah chapter 49, he actually does tell us that there's another voice that is crying out in preparation for the king. But guess what? It's the voice of nature. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, uh, the the prophet calls out and says, Hey, heavens, begin to shout. Hey, earth, begin to jump for joy. Hey, mountains, cry out in song. The hills are alive. Uh, begin to cry out in song. Why? Because the Lord of comfort is coming to comfort us. The God of compassion is bringing compassion to his afflicted ones. He goes on to say in verse 15, guess what? You need to get ready because the Lord is coming. And when he comes, it will be the time of his favor when he'll answer the prayers of his people. And it is the day of the Lord's salvation when he shall save them too. And then God begins to speak. He joins into the chorus and says, that's right. So raise up the valleys. Straighten up the roads and tear down the mountains. I'm hoping he's going to keep the Rockies for us. Uh, it's hyperbole. It's, it's metaphors. God's not really going to do this. But, but it's this idea of all the extent that we need to go and excitement for the Lord that is coming. And God says, I'm coming. So tear down the mountains, raise up the valleys because I am coming to comfort you. Why is God doing going to these extremes? It's for you. It's to come to us to comfort us. It's not God crying out, sending comfort from far, far away. But he is coming to be Emmanuel, God with us. In fact, God says, I want to show you how intimately I am coming to console you. And he says, think of a mother who brings a child to her breast. So also, I am going to bring you to my divine breast to console and to comfort you. The pictures of this artwork that here with the woman nursing, that's a picture of Isaiah 49. And God says, how can a mother forget the baby at her breast? But God says, even if that were possible, I would never forget you. I've inscribed you on the palm of my hands. This too becomes a motif that we see in Isaiah. In fact, one of the last words of the Lord is Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. As God finally speaks, he reminds the people, hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't forget, as a nursing mother comforts her children, so I am coming to comfort you. When my wife and I worked with foster kids, um, before we moved to Littleton, we were in Castle Rock, and we had five teenage foster kids, all who had gone through incredible trauma. They were flight risks, They were suicide risks because of that. And we learned that uh, when one of our foster kids got in trouble, uh, you do not send them to timeout, that because of the trauma that they have, you can't just send them to the corner and tell them, get your stuff straight. You regulate yourself. Because of their trauma and the chaos in their life, they don't have the peace they don't have the calmness to regulate themselves. And so rather than a time out, you have a time in where they come and they sit with you. And the, the psychological term is that they borrow your calm. They borrow your peace. I think God understands that same thing for us. God doesn't just come and sit us in time out and says, you get your stuff together, you get calm and then come to me here. He says, prepare the way because I'm coming and have a peace that you can borrow have calm that you can borrow i want to be close to you it's beautiful that even though isaiah doesn't tell us who this voice is when we get to the new testament all of a sudden it tells us who is his voice what type of voice would we expect for the prince of peace for the mighty god surely at least the cardinals some holy priest maybe the pope himself it's not what we get maybe an elite entourage that goes with a Hollywood movie star, or some some menacing bodyguards. Nope. We get to the New Testament, we find out who the voice is. And it's a bug-eating, camel-skin-wearing weirdo. Most scholars believe that the Gospel of Mark is the first Gospel that was written. And so the very first Gospel that was written, how does Mark, probably giving us the voice of Peter and the teaching of Peter, want to set up the ministry, the tenor, the character of Jesus' ministry? Look at Mark chapter 1, the very beginning, the first gospel written about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight your paths for him. Who is his voice? Who is his voice? And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his eight locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I am. The straps of whose sandals, I'm not worthy even to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but get ready because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Aha, John the Baptist is the voice Johnny B. is the one that Isaiah was talking about, who is going to come and prepare the way for that king who is going to bring us freedom and calmness and peace and love and freedom. But if that means John the Baptist is the voice, then you know what? You know what? You know what? That means Jesus Christ is that king. Jesus Christ is that wonderful counselor. Jesus Christ is that prince of peace promised long, 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 long ago. And that's why when John the Baptist is baptizing, we see this in John chapter 1, and he looks up and he sees Jesus. He says, Behold, 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 check it out, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one that Isaiah was talking about. And we understand that John the Baptist is that one, that voice in the wilderness from Isaiah chapter 40 then all of a sudden we begin to see Jesus' ministry and the emphasis and the stress and what he underlines in a different light. All of a sudden we understand why Jesus' very first sermon on the mount begins with these words, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You can almost hear in the background Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people. Yahim. Makes sense. Mom, when Jesus goes to inaugurate his ministry, he goes back to his hometown. And there at Nazareth, at the synagogue, he reaches for a scroll, not not of Genesis, not of Psalms, but of Isaiah. And he turns to the scroll and says, reads, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Release from the captives, recovery of sight, For the blind to declare the year of the Lord's favor we understand Jesus's divine invitation in Matthew chapter 9 in a whole new light where Jesus comes and says come to me all you who are weary and broken down and hurt come try me on take on my yoke for my yoke is easy and my burden it's light few months ago, I was in Brazil doing some mission work. And one night I was invited to go to a church service with one of my friends uh, who uh, wanted me to kind of experience her church. And so going out just as a spectator, I I go with her and it's off the beaten path. That is way, way, way beyond uh, Curitiba. And uh, we go in there and I just expect, just to kind of sit in the back. Uh, But when I walk in uh, to the service the pastor sees me and his eyes get really big and he begins to point at me and begins to, to make comments about me. It's in Portuguese, I don't understand. I'm feeling, como se dice, awkward. And so finally, my, my friend translates and says, oh. he says that last year he prophesied that a foreigner was going to come from far away and prophesy over the people here <laughs> to give them a divine prophecy so unlike Emily I'm not from a charismatic background and while I could preach for days and days and somebody like yeah you sure can prophecy is not really in my wheelhouse and so I begin to protest like I'm background Baptist and but my friend she wouldn't hear of it so she just kind of like pushes me up there and follows me up to translate I'm sitting there and now, it just seems to be really hot. I don't know if it's because of the Brazilian weather or if it's just because I'm so hot and humid. I mean, it's hotter than Hades and more humid than Houston. Um, I guess those two are kind of the same. But um, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and the people are at the edge of their seats just waiting for this divine prophecy that I'm going to give them. And I got nothing. Like, crickets, crickets, ricket, crickets. And so I just pray, like, God, give me something, please. And so finally, not a prophecy per se, but Romans chapter 8 comes to my mind. And so I was like, well, I'll just quote Romans chapter 8. And so I start out, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And immediately, some people began to weep. And by the time I got to, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. People were crying and clapping and raising their hands. I finished and thought, that went much better than I thought. <laughs> and so I'd go and I'd sit down and it wasn't until later that my friend told me that most of that church, um, just kind of poverty stricken, they were illiterate, including the pastor. And most of them, because of that, didn't realize that I actually was quoting scripture. And they had never read this or even heard this. And so they were hearing these words for the very first time. Can you imagine how beleaguered and burdened-down people hear these words of comfort and consolation and hope. I think the people of Isaiah, when they first heard these words, comfort, comfort my people, the Lord is coming. He's gonna bring you close. I think they were moved in a similar way. And maybe today there's some of you here that need to hear this message again for the first time, that we have a God who has come close to us to give us light and hope, freedom, Joy. I don't stand before you today as a prophet. I'm not a voice in the wilderness with camel skin, but I do stand as one as a friend who can tell you by experience that this Prince of Peace is here, he has come, and he's coming. And he offers to you the same message that he offered to the people when he walked on this earth. Come to me, all you who are burdened and broken down and are hurting, and let me give you Rest. Father, we thank you for your word and we just pray that it would resonate in our hearts. Lord, draw us near to you so that we can know that you are the God of compassion and comfort. Lord, let us drink deeply of the peace that you've come to bring us. Lord, let us have the joy in the face of suffering, knowing that your hope would not disappoint us because your love has been poured down into our hearts in your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.